G'day everyone, I'm your host Stephen, and welcome to another episode of the Bamboo History Podcast. For those of you who are new, welcome. The Bamboo History Podcast is a podcast that focuses on Chinese and East Asian history. If this type of content is up your alley, please subscribe to my podcast to keep up to date with my latest episodes and to also tune in to my existing ones. I also have an Instagram too, at Bamboo History Podcast, which features visual content for my episodes, teasers, and extra historical content that aren't podcast episodes. Please follow my Insta as well. Thanks. To all my existing listeners, thank you, thank you so much again for your continued support. Now, what if I told you that over a thousand years ago, there was a fight between the Chinese and Arabs in Central Asia? That's right, today we're going to talk about a small but significant battle called the Battle of Talas, fought between the Chinese and the Arabs. <laughs> Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan are two countries that are in Central Asia, a region of Asia that's located east of the Middle East and west of China. Both of these countries are home to some of the most spectacular mountain and steppe scenery, with its primary inhabitants being the Kazakhs and Kyrgyz peoples. Located at the northwestern edge of Kyrgyzstan and at the border with the southern edge of Kazakhstan lies the Talas River, a 600-kilometer-long river that looks just about as insignificant as my own six-pack abdominal muscles. I don't have a six-pack. It was near this insignificant river that one of history's most insignificant fights, but with the most significant consequences, was fought. This, listeners, is the Battle of Talas, T-A-L-A-S. It is known in Chinese as the Da Luo Si Zhan Yi, and known in Arabic as the Maraketu Nari Talasan. Apologies to any Arabic speakers if I've completely destroyed that pronunciation. Before we start talking about this wee battle, let's dive into some context. During ancient times, trading was an important way of earning money, and the most famous trading route was the Silk Road. The Silk Road was an important network of trade routes that connected China, the subcontinent, Central Asia, the Middle East, and beyond in Europe. The Silk Road was important for China because it not only allowed them to gain access to goods from other countries, it also helped create important political and economic relations between China and neighboring countries. Therefore, China wanted to control the Silk Road, and to do so, they would need to occupy territories that the Silk Road went through. These territories would be immediately to the west of China at the time, which would be in the present-day Xinjiang province of China, the Central Asian countries of Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan and Turkmenistan. In ancient Chinese times, this region was known as Xiyu, spelt X-I-Y-U, and literally means Western Regions. In the year 618, China was ruled by the Tang Dynasty, Tang spelt T-A-N-G, and it was one of the most dominant Chinese empires in history. In the next 100 years or so after its establishment, the Tang defeated the neighboring Turkic Khaganate 
and expanded the territory into the Xiyu region. However, the Tang were not the only ones interested in controlling the Silk Road. The Tibetan Empire, yeah, the Tibetans once had an empire, were, for most parts, mortal enemies of the Tang dynasty, and they often fought one another in the Xiyu regions, vying for control of the area. The other group of people interested in the Silk Road were the Arabs, who were in the Middle East, which was west of the Xiyu regions. Let's now talk about the Arabs. Whilst the Tang Dynasty was busily expanding the territories in the 7th century, the Arabs during this period of time was initially ruled by the Umayyad Caliphate. The Umayyad Caliphate was established in the year 661 and was a large Muslim empire that extended from Afghanistan in Asia to Spain and Portugal in Europe at its greatest extent. The Umayyads also sought control of the Xiyu regions, and they pushed east into Central Asia, where they encountered the Tang Chinese. And with these two great powers now having territory in the same region, conflict was inevitable. In the years 715 and 717, the Umayyads fought the Tang twice, with the Tang defeating them in both battles. As a result, the Tang was able to expand even further west taking control of the Fergana Valley. Fergana spelt F-E-R-G-H-A-N-A. To make things worse for the Arabs, the Umayyad Caliphate began to crumble from the inside. In the year 750, a Persian man and the leader of the Hashimi clan, Abu Muslim, openly revolted against the Umayyads and defeated them. Then Abu al-Abbas, who was descended from the uncle of Muhammad, as in Muhammad, the founder of Islam, became the new caliph and founded the Abbasid Caliphate. If you don't know what a caliph or a caliphate is, a caliph is like a political slash religious ruler of an Islamic kingdom, which is called a caliphate. Anyways, the fighting between the Umayyads and the Abbasids brought instability into the Arab world, and so the Chinese were naturally happy about that because they could then take advantage of that chaotic situation and expand their territory even further into Central Asia. To facilitate this uh, aggressive expansion, the Tang government sent General Gao Xianzhi, spelt G-A-O-X-I-A-N-Z-H-I, to do this job. Oh, and fun fact, Gao Xianzhi was actually an ethnic Korean man, and his Korean name is Go Seonji. But because he was born in the Tang Dynasty and grew up there, he is technically Chinese, and I'll refer to him using his Chinese name. Gao Xianzhi led the Tang army west and captured the city of Gilgit in the year 747, which was a city allied with the Tibetan Empire. Then in the year 750, whilst the Abbasids had just established themselves as the new Muslim Caliphate, Gao Xianzhi decided to assist their vassal state of Fergana in their conflict with their rival city-state, Tashkent. The Chinese besieged and captured the city of Tashkent in the year 750, which became the catalyst for the Battle of Talas. This was because the Tashkent was allied with the Abbasids, and when they were defeated by the Chinese, the rulers of Tashkent escaped and informed the Abbasids, who decided to help 
and mobilized their army to fight the Tang. Oh yeah, here we go now, here we go, time to fight! In the year 751, both the Arab Abbasids and the Tang Chinese brought their armies and faced each other on the battlefield. The exact spot of this battlefield has never been confirmed, but it was most likely close to the Talas River around the present-day border of Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan. The number of soldiers on both of these sides is also unclear. For example, Arab sources claim that the Chinese brought with them 100,000 men, but Chinese sources claim they only brought around 30,000 men. The number of Arab soldiers in battle is also unclear, but it was estimated that no more than 30,000 men met the Chinese in battle, even though the Chinese claimed that the Arabs had a much larger army than they did. What we do know is that the Abbasids brought with them a small Tibetan contingent, whilst the Tang army consisted of Chinese infantrymen and Kharlik mercenaries, who formed the cavalry of the Tang army. Ziyad ibn Salih, Z-I-Y-A-D, IBN, S-A-L-I-H, led the Abbasid army, whilst Gao Xianzhi led the Tang army. Some of you might be wondering, who were these Kharliks that I had just mentioned? I'll explain. The Kharliks, K-A-R-L-U-K, were a nomadic Turkic tribe that lived in Central Asia at that time. Known in Chinese as Ge Luo Lu, they were originally subordinates of the Gokturk Empire, who are seen as the ancestors of the Turkic peoples. After the Tang Chinese defeated the Gokturks in the 7th century, the Kharliks became subordinates of the Chinese and became a vassal state of the Tang. Hence, as a vassal state, there was an expectation that the Kharliks would assist the Chinese in the battle against the Arabs. But we'll see about that in a minute. According to Chinese records, the battle lasted for five days, whilst Arab records are a bit vague on how long the battle lasted. There are two accounts of this battle. In the first account, the Arab and Chinese infantrymen and archers faced off in the centre whilst their cavalry tried to outflank each other on both sides. The Chinese, who had more infantrymen and longer range bows and arrows, initially gained the upper hand and pushed the Arabs back. The Chinese must have thought to themselves, thank goodness for our friends the Kharliks, they are helping us so much in battle, great teamwork this, as they say, one team, one dream. But on the fourth day, something crazy happened. The Chinese suddenly were like, ah, what the, what the heck? I thought we were friends, why are you stabbing me? Yeah, basically the Kharliks betrayed the Chinese. Because the Kharliks were fighting the Arabs on the flanks of the main Chinese army, their betrayal meant that they were able to attack the Chinese on both sides. This also gave the Arabs the opportunity to outflank the Chinese on both sides, which took the Chinese by surprise. The Arab infantrymen then rammed the Chinese head-on in the centre, destroying the Chinese army. That was the first account. In the second account, it's completely different. The two sides faced off against each other for four days, but there was no fighting. Neither side was willing to commit to the battle. 
The Kaliks were also there too, but they didn't join in the fight for the first four days. It seemed as though the Kaliks had been monitoring the entire situation, as if to figure out whose side to join. Then, on the fifth day, the Kaliks chose the Arabs, and they attacked the Chinese in the rear. The Arabs, seeing that the Kaliks attacked the Chinese from behind, launched a frontal attack on the Chinese, dealing a winning blow. Whilst the number of soldiers and all that are unclear, both Arab and Chinese accounts are conclusive on one thing. The Abbasids won, and the Tang lost. Gao Xianzhi did manage to escape with a small number of soldiers and retreated to the east after the battle. As the Syrian historian Al Dahabi wrote, Begin quote, Allah cast terror into the hearts of the Chinese. Victory descended, and the disbelievers were put to flight. End quote. Hmm. Heavy stuff. So, yeah, the Battle of Talas was over. Now comes the interesting part. The aftermath and its legacy. You see, the Battle of Talas itself was only a blip in history. For instance, Chinese historians barely mention anything about this battle, as if to say that the loss was no big deal, and largely blamed Kalik betrayal as the reason for the loss. You'd think that because the Abbasids won this battle, the Arabs would then obviously have to say a lot about this battle, right? Well, not quite. To give you an example, one of the most famous Arab historians at the time, Al-Tabari, did not say anything about the Battle of Talas. So now you're all wondering then, if it wasn't that big of a battle, why is the bamboo historian talking about this? Why do I care? Well, for starters, it's one of the few battles where Chinese and Arab people fight. In ancient times. I mean, that's what sparked my curiosity and got me reading about this event. But more importantly, the Battle of Talas shaped the geopolitics of Asia for centuries to come. After this battle, the Tang Dynasty would lose their hold on Xiyu and Central Asia. Gao Xianzhu's loss at Talas meant that he would need to get reinforcements to launch a counterattack against the Arabs and regain Chinese dominance in the region. But as he was trying to get reinforcements, a large major rebellion erupted back at home in China proper. In the year 755, the Anlu Shan Rebellion broke out, and to stop the rebellion, the Chinese government ordered all troops from the frontier regions to withdraw back to China proper to fight the rebellion. Gao Xianzhi thus had no choice really but to withdraw all of his men from the Xiyu and Central Asian regions to fight the rebellion. He sadly died whilst fighting the rebellion in the year 756. Withdrawing the troops created a power vacuum in Xiyu and Central Asia, and the departure of the Chinese was quickly replaced by the Abbasids, Turkic groups like the Kaliks, those traders, and the Tibetans. The Chinese would never return to these regions for centuries, until the Qing dynasty conquered the area in the 18th century. The growth of Abbasid influence in Central Asia promoted the spread of Islam into the region, 
and contributed to the Islamification of Central Asia, and also paved the way to spread further the religion into China centuries later. The loss of Chinese territory in these regions also affected Buddhism. Knowledge of Buddhism was primarily spread and exchanged between India and East Asia by land through Central Asia and the Xiyu regions. However, once that bridge was cut off by the Abbasid Muslims, these Buddhist exchanges stopped. As a result, East Asian Buddhism developed into a unique branch of Buddhism that was vastly different from the Buddhism practiced in India and the subcontinent. Another legacy that the battle left was, supposedly, the spread of paper-making. Paper was invented by Chinese people in the 2nd century. Uh, side note, tune into episode 2 to discover the invention of paper. And it was kept secret by the Chinese for hundreds of years. It was said that papermakers had travelled with the Chinese army into battle, and when the Chinese lost, the papermakers were taken prisoner by the Arabs. And that was how the Arabs got their hands on the secret recipe of papermaking. Then, papermaking spread from the Middle East into Europe and beyond. This is a popular claim, but it might not be entirely accurate. This is because there's been archaeological evidence showing that the people in Central Asia had already been using paper before the Battle of Talas in the year 751. But hey, it's worth speculating, right? I mean, let's assume this claim was true, and if the Battle of Talas was won by the Chinese instead of the Arabs, and the papermakers weren't captured, it's quite possible papermaking technologies wouldn't have spread into the Middle East and Europe. It'd be quite possible that I'd be reading me Harry Potter books in parchment still, or vellum, or something like that. I guess the takeaway from this episode, at least for me, was the Karluk betrayal. It shows that it's really hard to trust anyone, especially someone who you've subjugated using force, and rely on them to fight and die for you. I think in scenarios like this, you're better off relying on yourself first before relying on others. Remember, don't trust anyone. So yeah, that's it. That's the end of the story of a fight between ancient Chinese and ancient Arabs in the 8th century. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I encourage everyone to leave a comment on my podcast and contact me with any feedback and topic suggestions. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and follow me on Instagram. All the details will be in the description box below. Wee, time for me to go now. Maybe I'll go eat a nice kebab with soy milk, an example of a harmonious connection between the Arabs and Chinese, rather than a bloody fight. Thanks for listening everyone, enjoy the rest of your day or evening, and I'll see you all next time on the Bamboo History Podcast. Bye for now.